0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, I pray uh, at this time that you're you're holy, that you're living, that your healing word uh, would go forth to us. And we might find uh, in your living word, uh, in Jesus, your son, healing, uh, restoration, uh, and salvation. And may my words uh, go forth at this time, Uh, yes, but ultimately your word. And this I ask, this I offer, in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It's a reasonably familiar passage uh, before us this morning, uh, Luke's account uh, of the crucifixion. And and one of the things, uh, I don't know about you, but as I read this, as I reflect on this, as I think about this again, it's, Uh, It's shocking uh, and and frightening how entrenched uh, we can become uh, and a callousness um, toward human suffering. Uh, And it wasn't just the people of that time. We we like to think it was them, but thank goodness we've we've progressed uh, from that point. But but to see how frightening and how quickly we can be callous to the suffering, um, to the hardship uh, of others, because we see all of the various crowd that is gathered there and the various um, taunts uh, which they place um, toward Jesus in the midst of this time uh, of great suffering, they seem, uh, they seem indifferent, uh, they seem unmoved, uh, they seem really, if, if we're honest about it, they, they seem even to enjoy it um, as they um, divide his garments up and cast lots for them, as they heal um, insults at him, as they rejoice um, at his seeming falling, uh, at his seeming failure. Say we like to think it's 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 them, not us. But the reality is, it's it's us too. Uh, it's it's us too. If you remember the words of, of Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and I'm sure you do. I could stop there. Um, if you remember, you know, yes, Craig, yes. Uh, but you remember um, the Gulag Archipelago? He he wrote that, and in, in that he recounted his time uh, of suffering and inhumane treatment. It was during the time of the Soviet regime. He was actually a, a Soviet soldier, um, but. Uh, it was the time uh, of Lenin, and they were reading um, his letters that he was writing to friends. And in his letters, he said some things which were uncomplimentary. Um, uh, Lenin, Sta- Stalin, one of those guys. Um, anyway, yeah, Stalin. And anyway, his his letters, his private correspondence was being read, and he had said some things critical. And the next thing he knew, he was sent away um, to a Siberian work camp, uh, and those just horrific, inhumane conditions uh, in which he lived and uh, he uh, amazingly was one of the survivors from that experience and he went on to, to speak and, and to write um, and to have a tremendous um, impact after his time there but he was asked at one point um, about um, the people there, um, the, the evil people, the bad people and, and uh, amazingly and I, and I believe it was because of Solzhenitsyn Christian faith that he was able to say this. He said, you know, it's not that easy. Uh, it's not that easy to say that they were um, that they were the bad guys um, and that we're the good guys. That they were um, that they were bad, but thank goodness um, we're not. In fact, no, he said. Actually, the dividing line between good and evil runs through um, every human heart. And Solzhenitsyn would write this: If only there were evil people somewhere, insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart uh, of every human being. The passage today which we're reflecting on together, this uh, portion from St. Luke, this account of Jesus' crucifixion, is one of those um, dividing line passages uh, because really uh, almost all of the historians, the early historians, the later historians agreed um, that this event happened. Uh, And, of course, you can always find find the deniers um, for everything. But but basically, Christian or non-Christian, there is the agreement um, that this event actually happened. Every totalitarian regime has its instrument uh, of torture and cruelty and terror. uh, And the Romans um, had their cross, uh, which they they used, um, sadly, with regularity. Uh, And now we see um, that... Jesus, uh, likewise, um, is crucified uh, in between two criminals. And as we hear the account, interestingly, uh, as you all probably know, uh, crucifixion is, is absolutely horrific and intended um, to maximize um, suffering, not only in its pain and its intensity, but in its um, duration as well. But it's interesting to note that in, that in Luke's account of that, he doesn't, He doesn't really go into a lot of that. He doesn't necessarily try to um, uh, uh, move us um, uh, emotionally. He does, but he doesn't go into great detail. He doesn't try to manipulate us in that way. He speaks very factually um, about what was happening um, that we might hear, that we might think about um, the significance of of who um, Jesus was uh, and what, Jesus accomplished, uh, and we see one of the questions that's asked. As I mentioned, it's a it's a dividing line question because one of the things that it that it places before us, uh, we we know that he was remarkable for anyone um, to respond with anger and hatred and insult with, with prayer um, and with kindness and with grace. Uh, that that's remarkable um, regardless. Uh, But the question is asked uh, to the people of Jesus' day. The question is asked to you and to me. um, What about Jesus' crucifixion? Was it different? Was it different than all the other crucifixions which happened before uh, and which happened after? Did it have uh, an impact once and for all um, in creation? Does it have an impact in yours and my life? Is there anything significant or noteworthy or dramatically different about the crucifixion of Jesus uh, is there um, a power that goes forth um, from this event? Uh, do things um, change? I was coming across recently doing, talking with a friend of mine and doing some reflection. I can't believe um, I had um, forgotten about this, and some of you may remember it very, um, very vividly. The Is there power that goes forth uh, from what Jesus did on behalf um, of those who would accuse him and reject him? And if you remember, November 14th, 1960 uh, in New Orleans. And I don't know if that um, cues any of your memories. Uh, a young girl named Ruby Bridges. Um, does anybody remember um, Ruby Bridges? And In fact, um, <laughs> I could say, does anybody remember Norman Rockwell? Uh, Norman Rockwell actually painted uh, a painting uh, of this uh, particular event of the desegregation of the integration of the schools in New Orleans. Uh, and uh, the problem Uh, of that. The problem we all live with was the title of Rockwell's painting, and it shows the four U.S. Marshals escorting this young girl, this six-year-old girl, Ruby Bridges, um, into the elementary school. There were six um, children, six um, African-American children that were selected, that were chosen um, to integrate um, the schools in New Orleans, and three um, were supposed to go to William France Elementary School, which is where um, Ruby, (laughs) Ruby Bridges went. Uh, and three went to McDonough Number 19, but uh, of the six selected, all three um, went to McDonough Number 19, and those that were selected along with Ruby um, to go to William France Elementary School, um, two of them um, stayed back um, in their segregated school, and you know, hard to um, hard to blame them um, for. For fearing the wrath that they would incur if they sought to um, integrate the schools, and so six-year-old Ruby Bridges um, actually went um, by herself. And of course, you can see um, you can see footage of it if you go and you you Google it. You can see the the footage of it and the uh, the angry mob which has gathered there, all of the um, insults and all of the threats um, that were being hurled uh, at this little girl. And, and amazingly, remarkably, I mean, she this precious-looking um, six-year-old girl in her, in her pressed dress and, and the bows um, in her hair, and just walking through this crowd, um, remarkably peaceful um, and, and unperturbed by all of, again, all of the um, insults and all of the threats and all of the taunts um, which surround her. And one day, as she was going into school, the first day that she entered the school, all of the parents pulled their students um, out of the school, and all the teachers um, left the school, save one teacher um, who was actually um, her teacher. Barbara Henry was her name. And gradually, students began to return and teachers began to return. But for that first year of her education, she was in a class all by herself um, with Barbara Henry. No one would come into the class um, with her. And and Henry re- remarked uh, just um how how unperturbed she seemed. She seemed seemed to flourish. Uh, She seemed to do well. She seemed uh, remarkably, shockingly um, at peace despite all that was going on around her. And one day as she was coming in, Henry is watching her out the window as she's coming in and and she stops. And she stops out in front of the school um, and turns um, toward the crowd of people. And as you might imagine, the marshals are attempting to, to hustle her along, to move her along. They're understandably... Anxious and nervous uh, and uncomfortable, and amazingly, she wouldn't be, um, she wouldn't be moved, uh, and there she stood uh, facing the crowd, and, and Henry said that she could see um, her lips moving, and when uh, Ruby got into class, uh, Barbara Henry asked her, what, what was it um, that you were saying um, to the crowd, and, and, and she said she was, she was perturbed, she said, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't talking to the crowd, and she said, well, I saw, she said, I saw your lips moving. And she said, well, I was praying. She said every day we would stop about a block away, and she would pray. And on this particular day, she had forgotten to say her prayer. And so she stopped there. As she's entering into the school, she remembered that she had forgotten to pray, so she stopped uh, and began to say her prayer. And this, um, this was the prayer that she would say every morning. Uh, Every morning in response to all the people who hated her and hurled insults and threats um, at her. Uh, The prayer that she said twice a day, she said this prayer as she entered the school every day. She said this prayer as she left school um, every day. Please, God, try to forgive those people. Because even if they say those bad things, they don't know what they're doing. So you could forgive them just like you did those folks a long time ago when they said terrible things about you. In response to the question, does, does the cross have power uh, for yours and my life now? Uh, does the cross have power and meaning um, for you and for me in our lives? Does the cross have power and meaning um, to the society of the day of Jesus, to the society uh, of the day of Ruby Bridges, to the world um, today today? Does that still have power and meaning? Uh, Absolutely. One of the things that we see is that Um, We see what it's going to take um, to change the world. We see what it's going to take to change um, our hearts. It's not going to be um, our moral enlightenment that we're getting better and better every day. Um, Human nature doesn't seem to be any better today um, than it was in the time of Jesus. Uh, If if you found progress, let me know about it. Uh, it It seems dramatically similar. It's not going to be a moral improvement that's going to bring hope and freedom and healing to the world and hope and freedom and healing and to yours in my life as well. You look at the time then, you look at the time now, and it's going to take something um, besides pride and strength um, to bring about healing and restoration. It's going to take forgiveness. It's going to take mercy. Um, It's going to take love uh, and sacrifice uh, and the grace of God. It's going to take an unmerited gift um, to bring change um, in our lives, a seeming failure to undo the ways of the world. Uh, and to bring freedom and healing, uh, something bigger um, than you and me. As we um, enter um, this text today, in and, and many ways I, I think uh, we can rightly say that, that we're all the people um, involved. Uh, and in the experience in our lives, we're, we're the insulters um, and we're the insulted. Uh, If we're honest about it, we're the herders and and we're the hurting. Uh, We're the people who uh, crucify others and we're the people that ourselves are crucified by others. We'd love to have that dividing line and put ourselves on one side or the other, but the reality is um, we're, we're um, we're all of the above. Um, and into this broken um, situation. It'd be, it'd be nice if we could say it was neater than that, but it's it's all of us, uh, and it's within all of us, and we need something bigger than us um, to step in uh, and to restore and to heal. I'll share a final story with you. Um, a friend of mine was here um, this week, Jim Monroe, wonderful, faithful guy that's been a wonderful minister for many, um, many years, and he, Jim was um, sharing a story. I've, I've I've heard him share before, and it's uh, incredibly uh, moving, and um, it's a story from when he was a young boy. He was 10 years old at the time. He was 10 years old, and he had an 8-year-old sister, and as you might imagine, they got along like most 10-year-old um, Brothers and eight-year-old sisters, um, and they were one day. They were going up the stairs. When they got to the second-floor landing, um, they were fighting and bickering. Um, Jim said the good news um, about this. If you have um, bickering siblings, he said, um, "You know, he and his sister get along great now. It only takes a matter of decades. Um, So be encouraged. Um, It'll get better." Um, But anyway, they're they're. He's ten. She's eight. They're they're going up the stairs. Um, And she's doing um, something to him. And he said, before he knew what he was doing, he he punched her um, in the stomach. Uh, And as you might imagine, after he punched her in the stomach, she went to scream. It may not have hurt, but she probably thought, I'm going to make this uh, work for all it's worth. And so she goes um, to scream. And as she begins to scream, there is uh, a little table there on the landing. And there is a can uh, of bug spray um, on the table. This is back in the days of DDT. Um, there is a can of DDT and, you know, brothers and sisters, you see um, where this is going. And in an instant, without thinking about it, she begins to scream and he grabs the can and he sprays it um, in her mouth um, as she is screaming. Uh, and uh, as uh, uh, whether you want to call it, uh, whatever you want to call it, um, as it so happened, his mother um, appeared at that very moment and saw uh, and saw what had happened, saw him spray um, the bug spray into her sister's mouth, and, and Jim said she didn't say a word. Um, she didn't say a word. She, he, she ran to his sister, uh, scooped her up, ran outside uh, in front of the house. At that time, they only had one car, and his dad was away at work. She flagged down someone and got in the car and took his sister to the hospital, and there he was, left alone um, at the house. And here he is. He's, he's 10 years old. He's left alone um, at the house. And, and you might imagine the the weight um, that was pressing down um, upon him at that time, just the, the, the fear uh, and the guilt uh, and the shame and the worry and, and, and all of those emotions which were pressing down upon him uh, at that particular moment. And he said, maybe, who knows, maybe it was about 30 minutes later that his dad arrived at home and as you might imagine, he, he heard his dad's um, footsteps uh, coming up the steps. And, and of course, um, his reaction was one, uh, was one of fear, uh, as, as would have my, that would have been my reaction. That would have been um, your reaction. He was uh, completely um, guilty, and he heard his father coming, uh, and he was uh, anxious, and he was fearful. And he said his dad uh, opens the door, and he walks into his room. And he said his dad didn't say anything. His dad looked at him, and his dad just held out his arms. And Jim said he ran into his dad's arms, and his dad picked him up, and his dad, um, his dad hugged him, and his dad embraced him. I share that with you because as we walk through um, this encounter uh, of Jesus's uh, once and for all sufficient sacrifice and death for the sins of the world, we see that he is crucified between two criminals. One uh, hurls insults at him, uh, and, and the other—well, uh, the other gets it. And he says um, simply to Jesus, no big theological statement. Um, he doesn't. not the—you well, know—he doesn't um, go into a, a carefully scripted theology. Um, Jesus, remember me. Jesus, remember me when you come um, into your kingdom. Uh, in essence, he says, you know what, I, I don't have anything to bring here. I don't have any moral improvement um, that I can demonstrate. I don't have um, fabulous theology. I'm not um, getting better and better. Um, all I have um, to bring the, to this particular situation is my, is my dire need and my realization and my belief, even as, as partially formed as it is, um, that, that you're the answer. Um, that you are sufficient for me, uh, and that you are sufficient for the situation. Uh, Jesus, uh, I lean on you. Jesus, um, I give myself to you. And Jesus' response to him is simple, isn't it? It's not saying, you know what, You're, this is a good start, um, and, and we're going to continue to work on this, and then I think you know, things might really go somewhere. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Rather than rebuke, um, there is embrace. And so, what I'd love to lift up to you and to me this day is the phenomenal character of God, which we see revealed not just here but throughout the entire witness of the Bible, the incredible uh, compassion and mercy of Jesus, which we all deeply, desperately need and long for. We all need that healing and restoration in our lives, we all need those places reached uh, and filled and healed um, and restored, and all of, the, uh, all of the moral efforts and all of the best intentions and all of the divisions and all of those things are not going to bring it about for us. But what will bring it about is one simple thing. Uh, Jesus, I, I, I look to you. Jesus, um, I turn to you. Um, have mercy upon me. And in doing so, we hear um, not that then he will seek us. Uh, we see he's already been seeking us. Interestingly, if you look at the encounter here, Jesus' grace doesn't turn on at the very end when the criminal says those words to him. That grace is going out as people are hurling insults at him. Uh, That grace is going out as people um, are taunting him. The prayer and the grace is proceeding the entire time. But at the very end, we see the one criminal um, who realizes it uh, and benefits from that grace and peace and strength available um, to them, available to you and to me. And as we hear that this day, let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, um, we're as much a mess today as, um, as when you came into the world, and yet um, your cross and your resurrection, uh, your blood, your grace, and your mercy have power uh, to bring healing and restoration into our lives and to flow out of our lives um, into the world and into the lives of others. Draw each of us today with our own needs and hurts and resistances, uh, All of the baggage that we bring with us draw each of us today to you uniquely and collectively, uh, that we might uh, lean our full weight upon you, uh, that we might find your grace more than sufficient, that we might be filled uh, with your mercy, uh, that we might have a freedom in our relationship with you and one another, uh, and that that power working in us would do infinitely more than we could ask or imagine. This we ask and ourselves we offer. In the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.